Coming up, we're helping you prepare your attraction for the fire marshal. From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is an episode from one of our partner stations, Haunt Topic Radio. So of course, if you've already listened to this episode on their feed, you can skip this one. One of the biggest hurdles that haunters face is preparing your attraction for the fire marshal. In this episode, we will get you ready for your inspector and help make your haunt safer for your customers and staff. Haunt Topic Radio, who created this episode, is one of our partners. Remember that you can browse our catalog of over 700 episodes covering everything you can think of in the industry on our website. The link is in the show notes. And now I'll hand it over to Brian from Haunt Topic Radio to tell you more about this episode. Welcome to Haunt Topic Radio, the podcast for haunters by haunters. Hello, Haunters. Man, it's April already. That means like six months till October. I know. Are you ready yet? Me either. Me and Daryl want to thank everyone that came out and saw us at Scare Badges booth at Transworld in March. Scare Badges did great. We saw some old friends, met some new friends, and can't wait to be back. Transworld is moving until February. It's usually in March. They're doing some remodeling on the center. So Transworld will be in February in St. Louis. Might be a little chilly next time, but we should be there in 2023. In this episode, we get Guy Buck Burdick on from Fear Asylum and Station 5 Productions. And Buck runs through his safety plans. Goes through how he gets his haunted attraction fire safe and some things he does to promote safety within his team and his crew. Buck is a firefighter veteran. He is still doing it. He actually helps with inspections as well. And he is a haunted attraction owner, so he knows the inside scoop and some great things to do to make your fire marshal and inspectors happy. This is a replay of our March class that we had on fire safety. To hear this complete episode and to get access to this video and the full audio of this training, head on over to hauntertoolbox.com and sign up to be a Haunt Master member. And me and Daryl did take some interviews from Transworld. If you guys want to check those out, head over to Haunted Attraction Network. And Philip is releasing all those podcasts and some other podcasts from other Haunted Attraction podcasters, which is always cool to hear from vendors and people at the trade show to get their feedback and see what cool items are coming out that you may have missed. Well. Let's roll into it with Guy Buck Burdick on fire safety and actor safety. This and I'm like, wow, this is is this is this is amazing. I I I didn't even know this 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 was a thing. So <clears throat> I watched this and and uh, I told my wife, I said, next year I'm going to go fly to you know, St. Louis and see the darkness. I want to go to Netherworld. I want to go to 13th gate and da, 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 da. And well, then I had, you know, 12 months to think about it. My entrepreneur in me, in me fired up and I was like, well, you know, I could build this haunted house, like as a marketing deal for my customers for like hot tubs and stuff in October. And so maybe I'll just build a haunted house. Cause how hard can it be? And, uh, well, that was 12 years ago. And 
lot of hair ago and half a million dollars ago and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. So that's how, that's how I got into the haunted house business, but I've, I've always, uh, I always, I always really always been fairly creative and, uh, love Halloween. And, and, uh, so we jumped, jumped all in and we've been going ever since. So um, it's been 12 years. Have you finished your haunted house yet? No, no, not even close. No, <laughs> that's the answer we want to hear. You never yeah. finished. No, my, my haunted house is terrible. It's, it, it, it needs to be here. And I, I can't, I keep running out of time. And in everything I like that I'm built in two years, I'm bored of it. So I got to tear it out and start something new. You guys know. Yeah. So I've also been in the fire service for over 20 years. Uh, I'm a full-time career firefighter um, here in South Dakota um, at uh, the largest city in South Dakota. Um, I am not a fire inspector. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the guys in the truck. And uh, so I've, but I, I, I do fire inspections. I do, I do walkthroughs. I work with the inspectors. I, I, I know what they're looking for. I've talked to them about these type of things. Um, so I have some pretty good insights on exactly, you know, what can get you in trouble, how to get, you know, how to make your life easier dealing with that fire inspection. And when it comes to the safety aspect, I, yeah, I've got a, I've got a pretty unique perspective on, um, on the fire side of things and what people do and, how they get into trouble and the way they act. And then of course, you know, as you guys all know, you know, I've got 12 years of experience in the haunted house industry and I know how that can go. And honestly, I think, I think most communities probably have it harder than I do because we've got a pretty, our, our, our clientele is pretty good for the most part. I, I, I'm in South Dakota. We don't have uh, metal detectors or anything like that, but um, you know, we do, we do have that perspective going. So then I also own station five productions, station five productions is a theming company um, creative services. We've been doing that for about six years. Uh, that just came about from people via social media, friends, uh, posting things and they're like, wow, that thing's really cool. Could you make me one? And so we started doing that. And now we build a lot of stuff for haunted houses, family entertainment centers, um, bowling alleys, uh, cruise ships, escape rooms. So just kind of all kind of, kind, kind of, kind of projects. Um, we had a couple things in uh, at Transworld. We had a this iron lung we built, and that was displayed at a Rib Effects booth this year for customers. So yeah, that's uh, that's who I am, and that's what I do. And I'm here to maybe make your life a little bit easier and answer any and all questions you guys have about uh, safety and and working with your fire marshal uh, tonight. That's what I'm here for. So any questions you have, I'll make up an answer or know it. <laughs> Wow, you sound like a hunter. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get that done. Yeah, yeah uh huh. Yeah, that's not a problem, Daryl. You bet. Well, let's let's start off straight into fire safety. So I know you're not a fire inspector, but you're you know what you're doing. So as a fire inspector, would walk through a haunted house, haunted attraction from the very gate, walking in the driveway. What kind of things do you see in front of you, like parking, queue line? What kind you know exits, fire zones? What kind of stuff we're talking about? So, you know, that's that, this, and this, this is where, this is where I want everybody listening. I want you guys to start writing down questions in case I miss it um, so that we can get this cleared up for you. First thing I'm going to tell you guys right off the bat, I'm not going to tell you guys how to get out of your fire inspection. I'm not going to tell you how to dupe your, your fire inspector because you can't, it's not going to happen. Um, and frankly, you don't want it to happen. You don't. Um, the fire inspector is not your enemy. Really, he's there to save your butt and uh, save you some money. And the biggest thing is, you know, make sure nobody gets hurt. And I, and I, I, and really, it all comes down to money, and that's what everybody's worried about. But you, it's it's the biggest part before you build anything. You have to have this 
lined up. So what's this, what's the fire inspector looking for? So first thing I need to tell you is that every single there, so most pretty much every fire department in the country is going to follow the NFPA standards for fire inspections there, you know, there, there's a set of standards there, there's a code book and they're going to go ahead and they're going to look in that code book and whatever that code book says, that's what they're going to follow for the most part. And how, how do they determine what code they're going to look at in the code book? Well, it all breaks down to your occupancy. In other words, what type of building you're in, how many people are in there, uh, the size of the building, the you know how it's constructed, and the type of business. And different cities might code your occupancy different in one city than they would in another. So, but that's how they're going to look at it. The other thing is you have to understand within fire inspectors is so I'm 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 on a I'm on a I'm a I'm a, I'm a member of a rescue company. I'm on a, I'm on a rescue truck. I've been on a rescue truck my my entire career. I go to fires and I go to. Uh, uh, special um, technical type rescues. That's kind of what I specialize in. But in our my downtime, I do fire walkthroughs for all types of businesses. Um, now on a walkthrough, what I do is we go through and we look for very basic infractions in certain buildings. Now, these are pretty cut and dry. They're, they're pretty simple. And if, 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 if you work with the guys, you won't have much problem. Where the problem arises is if you fight the inspector or you fight the guys that come through or you make their life hard, they're, they can make your life way harder than you'll ever make my life. Um, so the fire, so the way it usually works, depending, some cities are different, but the way most departments work, a company, whoever, whatever fire station in is near your haunt, they're going to be assigned a survey and they'll swing out and they'll do a walkthrough and they'll look through and they're going to look for basic things like fire extinguishers, exits, extension cords, lighting, um, hallway widths, you know, uh, uh, basic hazard, blocked exits, these types of things. Now, if that goes good, they sign off and that might be it. But if there's any issues and they talk to you about it and they're like, hey, we got this, this, and this, if you don't fix it, then it gets bumped up to the fire inspection bureau. So that's when the fire inspector shows up. Now the fire inspector, he's the one that can fine you. He's the one that can shut you down. He's the one that, that can make your life difficult. Um, so he's the one that you really want to make sure that you work with. So if you're opening, and then he's also the one, if you have to get a special permit for every year, he's the one that's going to have to sign off on that. So in my city, there's, I believe, eight, eight or nine fire inspectors. Uh, in my city, we have 12 fire stations. We have eight inspectors. All the inspectors do is go out and do all the inspections and, and sign off on all the special permits and all that. So understand that Every single city and every single department is going to have different code. And every city and every department is going to determine how they're going to enforce that code. So how the code is enforced in Missouri to Bryan, to Brookings, to Canada, to Daryl, it might be the same building in the same occupancy, but the city might look at it completely different. So there's no way that I can tell you this is exactly what you have to do. Now, the other issue is there's eight different inspectors in my city. Well, eight different inspectors, eight different opinions. And the way they 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 look at things is going to be different. So there's some inspectors that are you know, pretty easy to work with. And there might be some inspectors that are a little difficult to work with. It all breaks down to working with different personalities. So 
the, the number one thing, if you guys have pencil and paper, here's the first thing you're going to want to do. Go ahead and go to Walmart or wherever and get yourself a three ring binder. Spend two bucks for all those plastic three ring binders. And you're going to put everything inside that three ring binder. Everything. If you guys use fire retardant on your props, all the paperwork for that type of fire retardant and all and all the, the manufacturer specs on that fire retardant are going to go in that. Your evacuation plan is going to go in that. Your um, <clears throat> Your evacuation plan, your alarm company, your, um, your, how, how you organize your hunt. In other words, uh, your, your organizational chart is going to be in there. Your, your, um, all your, your fire extinguisher, um, when you're going to have an outside company every year come in and they're going to, uh, check your fire extinguishers. That piece of paper is going to be in there. Every single thing that you need is going to be in that binder everything so that when the inspector shows up you can actually pull that binder out and go okay well what do you want to look at and then any question he has he's going to have that you have that binder now i i'm going to i can go a little bit further into this binder thing in a little bit because there's a lot you can put in there understand this the fire inspector has got 30 buildings he's got to look at today and he wants to have lunch and he wants to be done by five o'clock he doesn't care if you pass he doesn't care if you fail he just wants to get you done and move on to the next one. So something as simple as that kind of organization is going to actually help out then? Well, because here's here's what happens. Here's what ha- That's a good question, Daryl. But here's what happens a lot. When you look at things like a haunted house, that is odd. They don't know how to inspect a haunted house. If they go to a car wash, if they go to an auto body place, a pool store, they know how to inspect that. They show up to a haunted house. They have no idea how to inspect. So. If you, if they come in and go, um, all right, what do I got to do here? And they start looking at the code because they're not familiar with it. They're just going to go by the code. And then that's where they can, where we can open up 52 different cans of worms. So if the fire inspector shows, I'm going to tell you exactly what they're going to look for here in a minute, Daryl. But when the fire inspector shows up, if you have, if you know what they're looking for and you have all that laid out in the book and then you can go, okay, well, uh, let's talk about exit lights. Okay. I have exit. I have an exit every seventy-five feet. Um, they are located here, 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 and here. I would in that book. I would have an overhead layout and a map of your haunted house, and go. Okay, here's how my haunted house is laid out. My building is a hundred feet by sixty feet. I have. I have to have an exit every seventy-five feet. So I have an exit here, 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 and here. Then you go to the next page. Now. I need an exit light at every single one of these. Now, I have an exit light here, 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 and here. We'll go and test those lights here in a minute. Um, I know I'm, I know that I need a 4A extinguisher every within 70, uh, within 50 feet of every, you know, within 50 feet or whatever their code is. So I have one. If you look at this map, sir, I have one here, here, here. I've got 32 fire extinguishers. They're all rated at 4A. ABC extinguishers. Here is the documentation that they were tested this year by ABC extinguisher company. My alarm panel is located here. This is my alarm company. You see what I'm saying here? So if you have everything laid out for them. Makes you look organized, like you're professional, like you're. Like you know what you're doing. So they just kind of take your lead like, oh, okay, well, let's just, let's just check this out. Yeah. Right. Because otherwise, if I, if we walk, if, if you walk in there and he's like, all right, so we, what do we got here? Like a haunted house? What, mm-hmm. what, what, what is that? Oh, well, it's a maze. And it's dark. And I got people jumping out. What? Oh my God. What, <laughs> what, what, what is that? 
Animatronics. Foam? Animatronics. Oh my God, foam. <laughs> you know, I mean, so it, yeah. Do you know what causes haunted attractions to shut down before they even get started? The top three roadblocks are lack of funding, lack of leadership, lack of resources. As a member of the Haunters Toolbox, you get instant access to the tools you need to start and grow your own haunted attraction business. To get started, become a member at HauntersToolbox.com. Oh, so, so here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was looking up, I was looking at opening my haunted house in a larger city and I had a building lined up. It was like 120,000 square feet. It was just, it was amazing. And I called the electric, the electric department for the city, the code guys for the electric department in this city. And I called up and I said, Hey, I'm looking at building this haunted house, da, 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 da. And I have some questions about the electrical. And as soon as I, this is just on the phone. And as soon as I said the word haunted house, the electrical guy's head just blew up. He was just, he was like, oh my God. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, and he's, he's like, well, geez, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to cost you $750,000 just to get this up to code for just because of that one word. So does that All make right. sense, Daryl? Yeah. Yeah. So what's, so anyway, you need to be organized up front. You need to have that book. So when they show up, everything is in that book. And we, and we can talk about that a little bit further here in, in, a, in a little while on what type of things you guys should have in that book, but that's uh probably your fire one. retardant, whatever yeah. information. And would you yes. save, would you save your receipts in that? Or is that proof of like purchase or anything? Or I don't, I don't, I don't, of, I don't think I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't save, I wouldn't save the receipts. Just all your um, books and all your hand, here all your right. handouts. Because, and... because here's, here's what's going to happen is if you have that, that, that card, right. They don't care if you have a receipt or not. Whether you In got fact, it or not. they're not going to take a look at the receipt, but what they are, what they might do is they might walk somewhere and they might do a flame test on something to see if it's coded. Right. You know? So that's, uh, but if you have that, if you have that in the book, this is the fire return I use. It meets NFPA this. And I code it and here, here's, here's what I do every year. I code every week or whatever, you know, whatever you guys do. So, well, I've got a quick question for everybody that's, uh, you know, listening tonight. Um, how many of you actually have some sort of an organizing system for all of your safety equipment, have an evac plan, have a map, have, you know, electrical or lighting diagrams, throw your answers in the chat. Um, and, uh, and we'll come back to you guys later. Yep. Okay. So, um, did, did I answer your question so far guys, Daryl? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things is, uh, Jan has mentioned that all chemicals, uh, should come with an MSDS sheet and that could be part of the book as well. Have a whole section of all of your MSDS stuff. Right. Right. You know, now as far as, as far as MSDS, uh, things, Jan, um, for the most part, the fire department's not going to be worried about that. The only time I'm worried about MSDS sheet, MSDS sheets is in large quantities, which no haunted house is probably going to have. If there's large, yeah, you got 20,000 gallons of acetone. Now I'm going to start wondering why. <laughs> um, so dissolve those bodies. I mean, sorry. right. Yeah, exactly. It's lime, Daryl. Lime. It's cheaper <laughs> than acetone. The, um, but uh, so anyhow, that, that book is, book is number, number one. I'm just going to keep talking, uh, um, we do our operation manager maintains this update. Good, good. Yeah, that's good, Jimmy. You bet. Yep. Um, Brian, I'm just going to keep going unless you want me to stop. Yeah, here. no, I, I like the flow. It's good. Okay. Um, so what? It, what are the big things that any fire inspector is looking for? What are the 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 top? The top. 
Well, number one is going to be exits. They want to know where those exits are. They can't be locked. They can't be mag locked. They have to be lighted. So you're going to have an exit sign above that, that exit door. And they're probably going to walk up and they're going to push the button to make sure the light comes on. Okay. So they're going to check to make sure all those exit lights work. So that's, that, that, that's a big one is they're going to check, make sure the exits are, and the exits can't be blocked. Make sure the exits are not blocked. If any exits are blocked, that's, that's an issue. That is a big issue. Um, so they're going to be looking at exits. So if you have that over, you know, before you even start, you know, Brian said, you know, what happens when they walk up? Well, when they walk up again, haunted houses are different. They, they don't, I wouldn't know how to, I mean, well, I guess I would, but they don't know how to inspect a haunted house. So you need to, you need to show them what's important. So if you have, before you even start walking around the haunted house, don't even, don't even show them anything, pull out the book. Hey, okay. So for my haunted house, for example, I can pull out my book and I can say, okay, here's an overhead view of the figure asylum haunted house in Brookings, South Dakota. Now, as you can see, I have this divided into four different control zones. Each control zone, as you see to this map, I call it a control zone because I have a firewall between each one of these zones. That firewall is also covered in 5 eighths inch sheetrock, and there's no fire break all the way up to the ceiling. So if I can point that out right off the bat, I that I have these zones, or the, what I call control zones, zone one, two, three, and four, well, that almost, if you want to be, if I wouldn't argue, but I could argue, well, since I have a firewall and I have a fire break, uh, break with five eighths and sheetrock, and there's no void space up in the attic, in fact, the fire break goes all the way up to the ceiling, really, this area is no longer 3,000 square feet. This control zone is 950 square feet, and this control zone is 1,200 square feet. So that changes things. I mean, if you want to, you don't want to argue, but you could. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So so, so I, I can pull that map out and go, okay, so here's control zone one. It's this many square feet. This is 30 feet by 60 feet. I have three exits in control zone one. And the furthest one away from anything um, currently is 33 feet. So um, we, can, we can do that. Then I can show them control zone two, control zone three, control zone four. I can show them where all the exits are. I can show them where the fire extinguishers are. I can show them the, now my alarm system is here. My sprinkler connection is here. Everything is on that map. So you lay it out for them beforehand and they're like, oh, okay, okay. And then as you're walking through, see, here's where this exit is. This Here's my fire extinguisher. Does that make sense? Yep. So um, the, uh, the, so that, 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 that starts the conversation. Now, you know, the next thing they're going to, another big thing they're going to worry about is they're going to want to know about fire extinguishers. You have to have fire extinguishers and you have to have a fire extinguisher probably somewhere between every 50 to 75 feet, depending again on the occupancy. What I would do now, let's talk about fire extinguishers here for a second. Don't go out and buy some cheap thing at Walmart or whatever, this little dinky fire extinguisher. Uh Uh-uh. You just wasted 25 bucks because as soon as I walk up, look at it, I'm like, nope, that doesn't meet code. Get rid of it. And it has to be serviced every year. So most places are going to call for a minimum of a 4A ABC extinguisher. Now, what that means is that's how much fire that particular fire extinguisher can put out. Now, that particular fire extinguisher is probably about 18 or 20 inches tall, and it's probably about, I don't know, six inches around. Um, I would have one in every single room 
um, you know, spend the money, buy the fire extinguishers and make sure they're serviceable. They have to be a serviceable fire extinguisher. Then what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to go ahead and, and get a hold of a fire extinguisher um, uh, supplier. You know, someone, some, uh, someone that's going to come to your haunted house every year annually and tag all your fire extinguishers. They're going to service them. They're going to check them. They're going to put a tag on it. Then you're going to get the paperwork from that. And you're going to go ahead and put that in the book. Hey, I had uh, a Bob's Bob's Fire Extinguisher Company here in July. Here, here's what we did. Um, now, so I, if I were you, I would put a fire extinguisher in every room. So if you got 15 rooms, put one in every room. You know, don't go cheap on fire extinguishers. Have plenty because they will. I absolutely guarantee you, save your butt if you if you have an issue. Now, fire extinguishers need to be hung on the wall. They can't be on top of a TV. They can't be on the piano in the scene. They have to be hung on a wall and they have to be hung at a certain height. And it's usually about three feet. So they have, they can't be hidden. They got to be hung right on the wall. So make sure they're all hung on the wall. Um, another thing about fire extinguishers, I would go ahead and have fire extinguisher training with your staff. Now, if you reach out to your, if you reach out to your fire department, they might come and give you a class for free. Or um, there, there's there's different ways to get the class, uh, and it, and it's it's really it's really pretty easy. I mean, but if you have a fire extinguisher class and you have all your staff go through it, well, have that documented. Oh, okay. So uh, our fire extinguishers are located, as you can see, according to this map here, 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 and here. Now I had all my staff go th- through fire extinguisher training on this date. Here's who attended, and that signed. So have that documented also. Now we can talk about sprinkler systems. Now spring, we'll, we'll talk about sprinkler systems and alarm systems here in a minute. Um, but fire extinguishers did, I, I think I'm going to kind of move on from fire extinguishers here. I'm going to move on to the next thing. Does anybody have any questions about fire extinguishers? Um, how about fire drills? Would you do fire drills with the staff and actors, like a full run show? Like if they were in yes, the Yes, absolutely. Or- absolutely. I would... I would, I would have that. I was going to get to that. Yes. Okay. I would have that documented. Here is my, here is my plan. Here is my, here is my fire plan. You need to have a plan. If you have that plan now we do once a week or whatever, we we've run a fire drill. I empty this. I can have this, this, this is my safe area where, where command is going to be. This is where the fire department can show up. This is where in case of emergency, we're going to put everybody we, um, these are my zone leaders. They are in charge of knowing how many people are in this zone. And, uh, here's my communication plan and it, and we can empty this house when the alarm, we test our alarm nightly before every show or whatever, and we can empty this house in 36 seconds. And my actors are the spot. Ready? Go. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Good question. Any other questions about fire extinguishers for anybody, anybody out there? No. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, perfect. Um, next thing they're going to look for is they're going to look for at exits. They're going to look at fire extinguishers. They're going to look at exit lights. Uh, now they want to go ahead and they're probably also going to look at electrical. Now, wherever your main electrical panel is, make sure that your main electrical panel is clean. Make sure all the doors are shut. Make sure you don't have any Yahoo wiring coming out of it. Make sure that you don't have a bunch of zip ties and all this, you know, jerry-rigged wiring going into that that panel. The panel needs to be up to code, the door needs to be closed, and there needs to be a three-foot perimeter around that electrical connection, around your main electrical panel with no clutter. I would even go ahead and put tape or paint lines three-foot around that panel 
So there's nothing in there um, because that's going to be a big one. The same thing around your sprinkler connections, your fire pump, if you have one, and your fire alarm panel. Make sure all that is completely clean. Also, I would also highly recommend that everything you do in your haunted house is 12 volt DC and, and get rid of extension cords. I mean, if they see extension cords going everywhere, you're going to have an issue. If they look up and they see extension cords and pigtails and 52 things coming off, you're going to have an issue because I cannot tell you in all my years of, of fighting fire, I have been to, I don't even know how many, but lots and lots and lots of fires caused by overloaded extension cords. So they're going to look for that. So get your wiring up to par. What I would do is I would go ahead and, and have your, you know, have an electric come, electrician come in, have dedicated circuits and have junction boxes going to, you know, different places in your haunted house. And what I do at my haunted house, just this is what I do. I'm not saying it's right, but this is what I do is I have dedicated circuits in every zone and a dedicated circuit. I have a 12 amp, uh, basically junction box where the 12 amp junk, you know, this 110 junction box comes off and now I have 10 or 20 12 volt DC outputs. Each one handles one amp or whatever. So I can run 50 LED lights off one output. So 12 volt DC is 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 the way to go. Um, you know, as I and now I remember, I remember being a new brand new. I don't know. Do we have any new? How many people here are new? I want to know that. How many people? Yeah, t- out here? type in the comments what you guys where you're at, what your haunt. If you're just getting started, if you have your if you have a haunted attraction. Yep. Let's, we do have yeah, a question. We do have a question. Uh, is everything 12 volt lights too? So yeah, the lighting would be, but your props and I mean like your animatronics, they run on one. Well, if you do have electric electric or, um, actually, actually the majority of animatronics anymore run off 12 volt 12 DC volt? too. Yeah, true. Yeah, they do. I mean, some of the animatronics will run off, you know, they'll have a 110, you know, like the cracklers are usually 110 and, and some of that, but really most animatronics are using a 12 volt DC solenoid. So it can be run off that 12 volt DC junction box. Now, one thing, uh, one thing I was going to tell you really quick is, you know, I remember as when I was brand new, I wanted to get a flicker effect on a light. Now everything was 110. And, um, you know, I ordered a flicker effect from somebody and it was this jacked up extension cord thing, you know, and with probably a, you know, a fluorescent ballast. Uh, ballast you know whatever and i and i've used it it was worked great but i don't know as years go by i've you know i'm like okay no no we can't have this so yeah that's going to be that's something they're going to be looking for is electrical do you have a question sir so we have um uh, lincoln nebraska shakespeare second year that's andy jan greyhouse haunts ninth year nebraska shakespeare lincoln nebraska and Jimmy's uh, seventh season. Now we do have some questions about outdoor haunts. Um, is that something that'll be coming up a little bit later? Uh, sure can. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just sure a little bit how how they're different and anything that uh, um, we might need to pay attention to. So continue on, and we'll uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. Okay. Okay. So electrical is another thing they're going to be looking for. So if you can, you know, if you can show, you know. Like I said, these dedicated circuits run as much as you can off 12 volt DC. Now, 12 volt DC is still, it can still cause a fire, but it's a heck of a lot safer than 110 AC. And it doesn't pull the amperage because the amperage is what causes problems. People use everything 110. They only have a handful of outlets. They start plugging everything into it. Everything pulls so many amps. And after a while, oh, and then, 
and I've been guilty of this too. They run to Walmart and they buy the cheapest extension cord they can. Well, the reason it's a cheaper extension cord is because it doesn't have a heavy gauge wire in it. And now as electricity is running through that, it creates heat. Now you have it underneath a carpet and maybe something's sitting on top of it. Now it's a pinch point and boom, now we got a fire. So the, 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 these, the electrical, electrical is a, a big deal. Um, so that's kind of it with electrical. Make sure everything's clean, 12 volt DC. Make sure you have all your stuff, you know, quart nothing in front of it. Clean. Make sure everything is clean, guys. Make sure all paths are clean. You know, be ready for that inspection so that as they walk through, you're not moving, you know. Oh, this is never here. Oh, I don't know who put this here. Ah, BS. So make sure it make sure make sure it's clean. Um, again, remember this, the easier you make it for them. Cause me, when I'm doing an inspection, I want to get these done. Cause as soon as I get these done, the new guy's making me tacos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? Make this easy. Uh, so there, that's, that's about really all there is to say on electrical and what they're looking for. Extension cords is a big one. So now we're moving on to general housekeeping. Again, make sure, make sure everything is clean Make sure there's no trip hazards. Make sure your all your exit doors are are in good working order. Make sure they're not locked. Make sure there's nothing blocking them. Now, all exit doors on a commercial structure, all of your exits should swing out. On a, any commercial occupancy, the door needs to swing out. Not when if it's an exit, it's not pull it towards you. It swings out. So if you have that jacked up, they're going to make you change it. And that, depending on where that door is, that that could be an expensive, expensive change. So make sure that is taken care of also. Now, if you have, if you have exits that are not in the right spot or you need more, well, a couple of years ago, there is an area in my haunted house where legally it was within legality, but it made me nervous where it was at. So I knocked a hole in the side of my building and put another exit door in there just because yeah. <laughs> it scared me. I didn't like where it was at. Yeah. Now, Andy is asking, is that only exits or do actor doors have to swing out as well? No, exits, exit doors. So that's just the egress from the building, from the main area. Yes. And do, um, like, let's say if you're in the the, the northeast corner of your building uh, and there's not an exit there, do all of the doors between that area and the... Um, uh, the exterior exit have to swing out? If it's an exit passageway, yes. Okay. Yep. So the exit the exit passageway needs to be clear then. Just to be yep. clear, the exit passageway yep. needs to be clear. And there's got to be a, a uh, an outbound swinging forward door so that you're not blocked and pulling it open. Yep. And also remember this, guys. If you have a hallway and they got to go through five exit doors to leave the building, every one of those exit doors has to have an exit sign. Yes. I think Scarret Badges are one of the smartest things I've seen in the industry in a really long time. Scarret Badges are basically either pins or embroidered patches, uh, kind of like Merit Badges, as they are you know, somewhat named after, from Boy Scouts and, and Girl Scouts and Brownies, and where after you've accomplished something, you can wear the brag tag of the embroidered patch. Some haunts put them on jackets, some put them on t-shirts, some put them on uh, with the pins. I've seen them put them on lanyards. But the neat thing about them is they are very specific in what they are rewarding. And they're haunt-based images that reflect what's being rewarded. It's retention, it is bringing people back, and it's actually giving your haunters, your haunt performers, the ability to share that they are haunt performers. And, oh really, you're a, you're a scare actor. 
where do you do that? And then they will insert the name of your haunt right there. So it's also marketing. I've always been a big fan of Scarret Badges. I think they're great. So check them out, scarretbadges.com. No, it is, that is not a paid advertisement. That is just my recommendation. I think it's really cool. ScottSwinson.com So actor safety in general, I know security has been a big thing recently. Um, what kind of things should we consider with our scare actors and staff? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. Sorry. My phone's ringing off the hook over here. Daryl, did I answer your question about the, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was actually a question from, from Jimmy. I just kind of expanded on it because I think it's kind of valuable knowledge. So yes, hey, you did. Yeah. So Jimmy, let me know if, if you have, if you have another question that Jimmy, let me know. So let's talk about your staff. Let's talk about your actors. Let's talk about all of that and how we're going to keep everybody safe and how you're going to keep your customers safe. Well, how you're going to keep your customers safe is first, you're going to start with your staff because your staff will take care of your customers. So how do you take care of your staff? Well, first of all, you have a plan and you have an organizational chart. Now I like to, at, at Transworld, I've, I've spoke numerous times at Transworld and I've often talked about the span of control. What is the span of control? Well, the best way you can keep your staff safe and happy is if you have an operational system and a delegation system. And I utilize what we call, I utilize what's called span of control. Now what span of control is, this is used by the fire service and it's used for for fighting forest fires, this is what's used during 9-11. This was this is what is used. One person, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you are the best organizer in the world, one person can handle somewhere between three and seven people that they're working with. So when I'm on duty on the fire department, I work with there's four guys on my company. Well, or four guys on my truck. If I go to an incident, uh, we, we had a building collapse in my sitting, uh, city a few years ago. There was hundreds of people there from multiple jurisdictions, but the guy in charge was only talking to five people because there's no way you can talk to 10 people. You can't handle 20 people and you sure as heck can't handle 30 actors. So the first thing you're going to do is you want to set up what's called what is the span of control. I've been there. I'm sure you guys have been there. And if you haven't been there, you you're lying or you're way better than I am. But what happens is this as an owner operator, it used to be, I was running around and I'm trying to hang a light. And then as soon as I'm hanging a light and I got to open in half an hour, somebody asked me a question about this. And all of a sudden I drop what I'm doing and I go over this way and I'm fixing this. And I'm on my way back from that to go do the light. Somebody grabs me again. And next thing you know, I'm fixing an airbrush or I've got to do this. And then I'm going back. And then all of a sudden I get a call on the radio and I've got to go to the ticket booth. Next thing you know, I've put on 16 miles and I still haven't put on that, put that light up. Well, you either run your business and run your people or your people will run you. So with span of control, you can handle, you can handle three to seven people. If you're not that organized and you're not that good a manager, well, you better only talk to about three people. If you're better, well, you can probably handle five, but a seven's about the max, no matter who you are. Five is about optimal. So for example, you have to have one, a communication plan. My staff knows right off the bat, every year, right at the beginning, I'm only talking to six people. When it comes right down to it, I talk to six people. I talk to my, uh, I talk to my staff manager. I talk to my um, my my tech manager. I talk to my makeup manager. I talk to my ticket manager, and there's like one one or two others. Oh, and uh, uh, my my safety officer and somebody else. 
That's it. If an actor comes up to me and they're like, hey, Buck, where am I supposed to be tonight? I look at them and go, hey, I have no idea. See ya. And I don't care. <laughs> it's not my job. So, But as soon as you start doing that, that's where you lose control. And then that's where your actors start losing control. And now you can't take care of your actors because you don't know what's going on. So how do you take care of your actors? Well, you got to delegate. You have to go ahead and set some people up and they're in charge and make sure that you get away from the chaos. So opening night, opening weekend at my haunted house every year, I do the same thing. And I've only done this for about the past four years. And I'm not going to tell you how bad it was years before that. I was a disaster. But now what I do is I have a certain time on opening night. It's usually about one o'clock, 1 p.m. on opening day. That's it. I don't care where I'm at. At 1 p.m., I'm done. There's nothing more I can do. The year is over. I'm out of time. And that's where I stop. And then what I do is as the day goes on, I go to my office, I close the door, I have my radio and I have a radio plan. I have a communication plan and I have a radio and I go in my office and I order a pizza and I drink Coca-Cola and I talk to people on the radio and I manage my whole event from my office on the radio. And the only people I talk to are, are my five or six people. Because if I leave that office immediately, I'm going to get jumped and I'm going to lose all control. So Am I kind of making sense, Brian, on how to take care of your people? Yeah, I feel your pain. Yeah. You know, well, mm -hmm. you 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 either let it be pain or or you just <clears throat> last year was a lot better for me because I'm starting to do that in my I'm just I'm going, I'm reliving it right now. So right, yeah. right. Yep. If I was there, I'd hug you. I've been there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, the first way to take care of your people is make sure you take care of yourself, take care of your business, and make sure you have people in place to take care of those people. Make sure you have a makeup manager make sure that all they do is take care of the makeup have a costume person that's all they do is take care of the costumes have a ticket manager have a staff manager staff manager make sure that you have staffing and that all the roles are filled that's their job um <clears throat> the uh you know obviously there's easy things you know we have we have uh hunter care packs that has aspirin in it band-aids in it um you know uh I make sure all my actors like water bottles. I've got, you know, water for them, you know, food. Um, but take, but also take their needs seriously. You know, these actors are working their butts off for you and your guests and they're killing themselves. And you know, which ones that you have your, you have your core actors, you know, if they're tired, if they have a headache, you know, and, and, you know, they're not just being that actor, take care of them, give them a break, you know, make sure, make sure you have people go through to give them a break, just take care of your actors. And there isn't really anything I have to say on how to be safe other than, you know what to do. But the big thing is don't let it overtake you. Make sure you have control of your event, delegate those responsibilities, lay that out at the beginning of the season, have a meeting, you know, I have a meeting each night, usually at the end of the night, letting them know what's going on and what's happening. Make sure everything gets nipped in the bud right off the bat, support your actors and they'll take care of you and they'll take care of your customers. Oh, that's where we stop to hear the rest of this interview and to get the video and to get all of our other cool masterminds and masterclasses and monthly meetings, go on over to hunterstoolbox.com and sign up to be a Haunt Master member. All right, we'll see you next time. This podcast episode sponsored by Scarret Badges. Get your Scarret Badges at scarebadges.com. Also sponsored by Haunter's Toolbox. Take your haunt to the next level at hunterstoolbox.com. 
Thank you for listening to Hot Topic Radio. Please leave a comment wherever you found this podcast. Each comment you leave will help spread the word to other haunters around the world. See you you next time. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.